Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode with Alex Glukowski, the co-founder of Matter Labs. I found Matter Labs a few months ago, and subsequently a few weeks ago, Ari at Block Tower had tweeted out about some of the work they were doing with something called ZK Sync, which I found quite interesting. And so anything that relates to the use of zero-knowledge proofs, I am very interested in. We've had, obviously, Starkware on recently. We've had other guests talking about zero-knowledge proofs, a lot of interest in the space and the use of the innovation here. And so we had a great conversation, Alex and I, about how they are doing what they are doing. We talked about effectively the trilemma uh, that Vitalik Buterin brings up. um, And we talked about scalability and how there has been an issue ongoing for the last few years about how blockchains can scale. And so we've seen slow transactions per second. Unfortunately, in my opinion, we've always been benchmarked to Visa. And so we did talk about that. And we talked about the use of something that they have designed called ZK Sync, which is a uh, based on ZK Rollup. And so this is something where they believe they can get to thousands of transactions per second. And they are testing this out and they are seeing success with it currently right now. Um, And so we talked about that and we talked about how this can actually have a massive potential implication for the utilization of Ethereum going forward in terms of applications of games and many other different things. So this is a great conversation. Also, we talked about this notion, they have about 20 years of experience designing systems like this, about this lean design philosophy that they shared. Um, They're very good at writing uh, and they have amazing blog posts, which I highly recommend people check out uh, before or after they listen to this blog uh, to this podcast. So Alex and I had a great conversation. Remember, nothing on base layer is investment advice, so please do your own research. And on the flip side, you're going to hear a great conversation with Alex Glukowski, the co-founder of Matter Labs. Enjoy. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. I'm really excited about this one. I have Alex Glukowski, the co-founder at Matter Labs. Alex, how are you? Uh, hi, David. Thanks for having me. I'm great. How are you? I am good. And again, the power of Twitter is something that brings us together today. Uh, I saw some notes a few weeks ago from Matter Labs, and I think the folks at Block Tower, possibly Ari, uh, was mentioning you guys and talking about something called ZK Sync. And that led me to get very interested in what you guys are doing. So today we're going to talk about Matter Labs and what you're doing. We're going to talk about this idea of ZK Sync, and we're going to talk about things like zero knowledge proofs, which we have talked a lot about on the show. Uh, People, if they want to have a reference point, there are a few different guests that have talked about zero knowledge proofs. Uh, I would reference the show that we did with the folks from Starkware. Um, Ellie is amazing there, and so very good reference point on that. We are going to talk about zero-knowledge proofs again here as it relates to things happening on Ethereum. So, Alex, if you could, what we'd like to do on the show, before we get into too depth of uh, knowledge about the intricacies of what you've been building, we'd like to learn a little bit more about our guests. So can you tell us a little bit more about your background? What did you do before... Matter Labs, how did you get involved in the space? What really inspired you about distributed and decentralized systems for you to actually start a company in this space? Um, yeah, so I was born in Soviet Union and immigrated to Germany early with my parents. I studied computer science uh, at Berlin Institute of Technology. And uh, I was fascinated about the way technology can help people 
be more human and takes all the uh, routine and dull work from them away uh, and make, makes uh, us more efficient and lets us do things which we're best at in creativity and all this. Uh, but I also had this experience in my childhood with uh, a vastly inefficient economic system which prevented people from opening their full potential. And uh, later in Germany, I learned that the, the German society, uh, despite being way more efficient, uh, still had its problems. Uh, so it was, um, so I, I was working in technology, but I realized that there are things which matter more um, at political level and at, at the, at, in the way society is organized. And when I learned about Bitcoin, um, I thought that this might be a technological solution to those problems, like a way for us to reorganize society and look at different things uh, from a different perspective. Okay. So if you were talking to somebody who was not necessarily within the digital asset, blockchain, crypto world, Talk to us a little bit about a kind of a way that you would describe Matter Labs today. Give us a brief description about what you have built thus far. And then we're going to talk about a really comprehensive blog post that you wrote recently about this idea of ZK Sync. Uh, sure. So Matter Labs is a company which is focused on bridging the gap between the academic research and zero knowledge proofs and practical implementation. And uh, we were looking keenly at things on the edge of research uh, and what from it can be taken and uh, where we can build actual products which people can use today. So we started with the scalability problem, um, which was the um, one of the few problems in blockchain which required a genuine breakthrough in the technology. So it could not have been fixed with other means which were existing. And zero knowledge proofs were very promising in this, uh, and we just experimented. Uh, we started a year ago. We built the first prototype for simple transfers, and we realized that it can be applied to essentially any kind of computation, any transactions. And uh, as of now, we are preparing to launch the MVP for the first fire version of a product, which is going to be um, token transfer functionality is going to be in the first scope. And we gradually want to um, develop it towards more generic smart contract functionality and later also adding privacy. Got it. So again, as I said, I highly recommend everyone listening to check out the blog posts. I think you write uh, eloquently and I think there's a lot of great information there. And so what led me to this conversation today with you is we'll start with some of the ideas here and I'd like you to expand on it. So, and I quote from your blog post, a successful solution to the scaling problem in public blockchains is not only a matter of high transaction throughput, it must also be defined as the ability of the system to meet the demands of millions of users without sacrificing decentralization. As we know, Vitalik has talked about the trilemma and we've had other people on the show talking about this idea. If you can have high throughput or if you can have privacy, if you can have more decentralization, there's usually something that gets off put that doesn't meet those demands of the trilemma. And so you go on to say the prerequisites of mass crypto adoption include high speed, low cost, smooth UX and privacy. 
So my question is, as it relates to these prerequisites, where do you think the industry overall is at right now? And I know it's hard to speak for the entire crypto industry. There's lots of people working on things. But from your perspective, from the outside as a founder, building something right now, where do you think we are in terms of the speed, the cost, the smooth UX, and the privacy? Um, I think we've seen a lot of progress in the UX being done over the last two years. Um, we see the best practices from the web world and from the mobile app world being applied in decentralized apps, and it, it's bringing fruits now. We've seen less progress in uh, solving the scalability trilemma per se because it required a breakthrough. Without the breakthrough, people could only go incrementally. And um, the best achievements we see are in, in centralized worlds, like uh, with centralized exchanges, for example, the UX is great and you have higher transaction speed, but it's all custodial and you give up control. You, you lose the properties of blockchain, which make it valuable. Um, so I think in those th in, in, in those areas where technology is was not ready yet, uh, We've seen not so well, not, not so much progress yet. So in late 2009, uh, 2019, you announced that Matter Labs are excited to reveal your vision for ZK Sync, a trustless scaling and privacy solution for Ethereum based on ZK Rollup. We've had people on the show, as I mentioned before, talking about zero knowledge proof so they can go back to the record on that if they want to learn more about it. So we don't necessarily need to go fully into what a zero knowledge proof is here. Um, but I really want to get into the crux of kind of the ZK rollup and some of the benefits of things that are doing on zero knowledge proofs as it relates to scalability. So Vitalik on Reddit said that scalability of ZK rollup will increase by up to four times, pushing theoretical max transactions per second of such systems well over a thousand. And you mentioned that ZK Sync is designed to bring a Visa-like scale throughput of thousands of transactions per second to Ethereum. And so what I really want to get an understanding is what can we expect from zero knowledge proofs and the way that you have designed uh, ZK Sync in terms of scalability, in terms of transactions per second or throughput? So we have to understand that the fundamental bottleneck for the transaction throughput of rollups right now is not the capacity of zero knowledge proof computation, but rather the data availability. The data availability is what differs rollups from earlier approaches like Plasma, because we put all the data necessary to reconstruct the our valuable state from on-chain logs. So we put it on Ethereum, we broadcast it through Ethereum. Uh, which means we take the bandwidth capacity of Ethereum and this capacity is limited. Um, so with, with zero knowledge proofs, we could actually go much higher on overall transaction throughput and we can exponentially scale computation, but not the, the bandwidth. So with bandwidth, the current benchmarks show that we can do well over 2,000 transactions per second right now, um, talking about token transfers. Of course, if we put more complex data, uh, for each transaction, then this number could go lower. But 2,000 transfers per second is what Visa handles on average, and this is why we speak about Visa scale. And have you been able to test that in beta and testnet? Um, is that all auditable? Is that something that people can see in terms of being transparent? 
Uh, sure, we did tests and we even tested the uh, operation on the mainnet to see how it performs in real environment. Uh, but fundamentally, the um, the guest limit is very um, very computable, very reliable. We can easily predict what the performance is going to be if the guest block limit goes up or down. And so what do you think some of the implications in terms of utilization? So we saw CryptoKitties back two years ago basically crash. I use that term loosely. Uh, Ethereum, um, it wasn't able to handle that. There was a lot of interest and a lot of people were doing transactions and it couldn't handle the load as we were talking about scalability and we we're talking about throughput. And so, you know, with games, it seems that if anyone has done any research on games, especially within related to blockchains, that a lot of them were built on Ethereum. So what are some of the implications of using ZK Sync uh, in terms of the throughput that you're able to see in right now? What are some of the implications in terms of the utilization for dApps and other games out there and for other utilities that are being built on Ethereum? What do you see overall in the next year or two if this is able to be something that is broadly used? What do you think we're going to start to see in terms of the the use cases of different applications out there on Ethereum? I think the different applications definitely require different levels of security. If we talk about financial applications, um, like sending some assets over blockchain or making smart contracts which hold significant amount of funds, then you want the ultimate level of security for um, the participants who should be able to completely rely on blockchain without having to trust any intermediate party. With games, the requirements are probably lesser because you still have the game uh, operators in some way involved. So for example, with CryptoKitties, if the servers of CryptoKitties uh, would go down, then you would not be able to render your cats, even though they were on blockchain, would not be as valuable to you. So you could take some trade-offs. Maybe you could hold the uh, CryptoKitty operators as data custodians, for example, and then you could improve the um, throughput of uh, this game. So uh, I think we're just going to have this differentiation of trust levels. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for financial applications, you certainly want the absolute reliability um, without having to rely on any part. Right. And so... We'll talk about privacy because I know that's been another concern as it relates to the EVM and Ethereum and things that are happening there. We'll talk about that later. As we are kind of digging more into your blog post, as I mentioned before, which I think everyone should go look at to and read, you talked about lean design philosophy and breaking down the milestones of development um, and introduction to the market. Can you talk to us about this lean design philosophy? What is that and how are you applying it? Uh, sure. So as I mentioned before, we have uh, over 20 years of uh, software development of classical web and mobile applications, and they have crystallized some best practices which uh, can absolutely be used by uh, blockchain applications. And uh, some values around agile, lean development uh, are that you just keep evolving the product. You don't wait until the product is perfect. But you ship as early as possible and you learn from the behavior of users, from feedback that users give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what we strive to do with uh, ZK Sync. We don't want to wait for the vision to be absolutely perfect. We want to start with the minimum 
available minimum uh, viable functionality and uh, start providing value in the scope of, of this functionality. So it means we are starting with the uh, asset transfers, gradually moving over towards smart contracts and adding privacy at the very end because it, it's the most complex part of the vision, which requires also most complicated technological uh, scientific approaches, but also on the regulatory side can be difficult. So we want to deliver things which take shortest time to market first. And so in regards to privacy, as I mentioned before, we were going to talk about it, but I think you just brought it up again. So let's talk about it now. There's been other attempts by other projects, other chains out there. You know, we've had people from Beam, we've had people from Monero, we've talked about ring signatures, we've talked about the whole gamut in terms of privacy, we've talked about mixing. And so in terms of privacy, how do you actually get there? You know, we've had people on here that have talked about the idea of keeps. Um, so in terms of privacy, how do you think about privacy as it relates to the work that you're doing in Matter Labs? Uh, so what is really, really important to privacy is that the anonymity set of your user base has to be very high. So as Vitalik Buterin put it, if you have a medium, if your your privacy scheme supposes um, small anonymity set, you actually have an anonymity set of one. If it supposes a medium anonymity set, you have actually a small anonymity set. So you really want to have a lot of users first and very high um volume of transactions, and then you can uh, hide some information there. So, you, with, I mean, I, I'm, I'm talking about meta, meta information right now, like who is paying to whom, uh, because it's relatively easy to hide the transaction amounts. This is what we see with Mimblewimble, for example. So we will be able to take any scheme which is proven in other um, privacy solutions and apply it in a roll-up, but the advantage of rollup is that we, the, every transaction is just cheaper, so we can assume a higher usage rate for these transactions uh, and higher user base. Right. So what we see, for example, in Zcash is that only a small fraction of all transactions are shielded because they are more expensive. So we want to avoid this by making privacy on by default, and you can only do afford this if the private transactions are cheap. That's why scalability is a prayer. So back to ZK Rollup. So it's an L2 scaling solution in which all funds are held by a smart contract on the main chain. And so we've had a few conversations with the folks from Chainlink talking about the Oracle problem. And so I'm curious, what Oracle oracles are you using to feed that smart contract? Is it just specifically pricing data? What kind of oracles do you see you know, kind of feeding that smart contract to ensure that it's viable. Oh, the beauty of uh, ZK Rollup specifically is that it doesn't require any oracles. It doesn't rely on any external information about the world. What interacts with the contract is just the, the set of validators who do nothing else but taking transactions from users, packing them together in blocks, and submitting these blocks on blockchain um, to, to, the, to the contract. So the contract serves as a mere proxy for the end users who perform. Like the, the this contract only verifies what the end users have put as their inputs to the zk uh, proof, which is being fed to the smart contract. So the security of the smart contract doesn't um, depend on the operators or of on on any party at all. 
it's completely transparent for the end users. Hmm. Interesting. And so I think the last thing that I'd like you to unpack um, in this massively important blog post that you guys put out. So in ZK Sync, we're introducing Matter Labs, instant TX receipts. Validators elected to participate in ZK Sync block production will have to post a significant security bond to the ZK Sync smart contract on the mainnet. A consensus run by the validators provides a sub-second confirmation to the user that their transaction will be included in the next ZK Sync block, signed by a supermajority of two-thirds of the consensus participants weighted by stake. There's a lot there. Try to pretend that I don't know about this world and tell me what you just basically alluded to in that. How does this all work? Uh, so the, the, there were quite some technical details in there. I will rephrase it. And let's start by um, talking about what are your expectations when uh, you accept a transaction on the blockchain with certain number of validators, a certain number of confirmations? Uh, what are your security assumptions? So if we talk about proof of work blockchains like Ethereum or Bitcoin, um, no matter how many confirmations you got, a transaction can always be reverted. It's just that the cost of the this reversal is going to be very, very high because somebody would have to perform a double spend, sorry, a, a um, uh, selfish mining for a prolonged period of time with a lot of uh, um, hash power, which is very unlikely because it's very expensive. But we can basically quantify exactly what certain number of confirmations um, translate to in terms of the price of the attack. And we can shorten the time of wait to gain a comparable security level if we just require the operators of our system to put a bond comparable economically to the uh, amount of money necessary to perform such an attack. If somebody has, um, will like, if you get a promise that your transaction is going to be included or somebody has to lose $1 million, then you're probably good if your transaction is a couple of thousand dollars. That's, you, you won't expect somebody to take advantage of you because they, they wouldn't be able to. Right. So I want people to understand. So this is the notion of bonded proof of stake. Am I not, mis am I not mistaken there? Um, so this is actually, uh, this has less to do with the proof of stake nature of, uh, uh ZK Sync. We, we only use stake to, uh, govern the set of validators. So we, we actually use stake more to prevent censorship. Um, in this case, it's just a separate mechanism, which provides security by explicitly locking some money as a guarantee that transaction is going to be included uh, if we if we hit a promise. But you could compare it to bonded proof of stake. And so basically, if they do not complete this, they could potentially have that stake burned, correct? Yeah, this is correct. Okay. Yeah, so I, I think one of the things I wanted to hit on, you know, just in terms of this specific last note, you mentioned validators elected. That's a specific word there. So in terms of the election, is that how normal proof-of-stake models go in terms of someone who has, you know, shown or an entity or a validator that has shown good compute that has been online, that is doing their job, air quotes. I know it's, you know, job is a 
easy way to put this, but doing their job basically. And so is it because they are doing their job well, or is it because they're staking more in terms of the economics? Uh, this is because they are doing their job well. Uh, we want to experiment in ZK Sync with a slightly different concept from normal proof of stakes, which we see in other blockchains, because we are in slightly privileged position where the security of the system does not rely on the operators. Uh, so the, since the operators cannot cheat, we can have much lesser security requirements for um, for people who like for electing the 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 validators who are going to perform the work. So we want to use this mechanism specifically for censorship resistance. We want to empower a honest minority of the stakeholders to not choose the validators based on what reputation they have as being most reliable, but rather uh, based on what behavior the these validators uh, uh, expose. And I mean honest behavior. And by honest, I mean like not censoring transactions. Okay. That is super interesting as it relates to governance. We've had some very in-depth conversations about governance. How do you actually get a distributed and fairly decentralized network of validators, of people, of entities basically trying to ensure that things are happening correctly on a system like that? How do you actually get them to all do that? And so this notion of governance is going to be something that will continue on going into 2020 that I'm very interested in. But I think as we're wrapping up, Alex, I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. And I know our guests and our listeners would like to get to know our guests a little bit better. So the two things that I always ask um, is, what are you reading? And it could be other books, and it could be crypto native books, you know, in terms of computer science and cryptography and everything else that a lot of people in crypto read. Or it could be, you know, things of sci-fi nature, anything else that's fun, anything that you've read recently that really resonated with you. And then music. I find that that is a really interesting part of our personality, and it tells a lot about a person. So anything that you've read recently that really resonated with you and any music that you listen to? Uh, so I used to uh, read a lot of fiction as a kid. Uh, recently, um, I tend to read more books about uh business or more related to work. So I really like psychology and uh, things uh, about culture. So the, the last book I read was by Ben Horowitz um, about the uh, corporate culture or startup culture. Uh, but the, the one which um, influenced most, which I think the, the most brilliant book about culture uh, is Turn the Ship Around um, by uh, David Marquis. Um, mm. Um, about a captain who made the worst um, submarine on, in U.S. Navy to, to the best one. Um, so things like this. Uh, and in terms of music, I really like uh, alt-rock. Um, it feels like when you have a lot of mental activity, a lot of high-frequency uh, thoughts, you, 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 you tend to prefer music which is taking you down and calming a little bit. So. My favorite band uh, over the last year was uh, Blonde Red Hat. Not sure is it was it because of the voice of this soloist or just the kind of music with textures they make, but I really liked it. Awesome. 
And so the last thing that we like to do with guests is have them tell our listeners where they can find out more about Matter Labs. How can they get involved? How can they find out more? Um, if they want to start, you know, if there's any way they can start, obviously, taking a look at what you've built, where can they go to find out all that good stuff? So all the links are aggregated on our website. If you just Google Matter Labs, you will find us. And the best way to keep in touch with the updates is, is our Twitter, uh, which you also will find uh, linked from on the website. Uh, all our code is open source. You will find it on our GitHub, uh, GitHub account. And you can always talk to us on Gitter or just drop me a direct message on Twitter. Awesome. So this was Alex Glukowski, the co-founder of Matter Labs. This is a great conversation. I'm really interested in what you guys are doing there in terms of using zero-knowledge proofs uh, as it relates to Ethereum and this idea of creating better scalability and creating blockchains that everyone can use. Um, I think that is incredibly important. And I, again, I highly recommend everyone checking out that blog post, talking about it. And so hopefully we can have you on again in a few months, Alex, to catch up and see how things are progressing. And uh, we'll be seeing you soon. Thanks a lot, Alex. Thanks a lot, David. Thanks for having me. For more notes from this past episode about our guest, please go to www.ar.ca slash base layer. Nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice, which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance. Statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns. If you like what you're listening to on base layer, let us know. Subscribe, give us a like, or hit us up on Twitter, Arca at Arca, or myself, David Nage at DavidJN79. Let us know, and we'd love to obviously hear from you. For additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space and the financial terms you understand, please visit www.ar.ca for articles, market commentary, videos, and more.